The Leave Your Legacy podcast is supported by Wise Financial. Wise Financial is a Northwestern Mutual private client group member. For over 20 years, Wise Financial has dedicated its efforts to designing comprehensive wealth management strategies for business owners and many accomplished athletes. Through their efforts, Wise Financial has been recognized as an industry-leading firm. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Leave Your Legacy podcast. I'm your host, Kenya Murray. And what we're doing today is we're going to respond to a lot of the questions that we got online. I made a couple posts, which... I mean, I had to figure out how to do the Instagram question thing, but we did get some really, really good questions. And so today we're going to answer each and every one of them that we got. So let's get started. So first question, (laughs) do you know my dad, John Gill? Actually, I do. John Gill and I, we actually play for the same AAU program out of Kalamazoo, Michigan called the KZU Blues. It was coached by Walt Hall, which all of us have some pretty crazy stories about coach hall but it was a phenomenal aau program i believe in the class of 92 we had right around 11 or 12 division 1 athletes in that program so it was a pretty pretty competitive program even um uh, baseball hall of famer derek jeter was part of the kazu blues he was a phenomenal basketball player as well but to answer john thomas yes i do know your dad john gill my next question is from Christina Haber. Were you guys excited when Keegan got drafted to Sacramento? Well, going into the draft, we were going to be excited wherever Keegan went. But we knew Sacramento was an organization that he really liked with Mike Brown coming in as a new coach with some different changes they were doing as far as the roster. We felt like it was a good position for Keegan. But the reality is we didn't know that he was going to go to the Kings until draft night. We felt that he was either going to be the number five or number six pick, which Detroit had the number five pick and Indiana had the number six pick. So we were really confident that he wouldn't go past six. But we didn't know that Sacramento was picking until all of a sudden the cameras start shooting towards the table and his agent had his earpiece in and, and said, hey, you're going now. So very, very exciting. Obviously, it's been a great fit for Keegan, uh, breaking records. They made the playoffs you know, after a 16-year drought. So for us as a family to see the organization that drafted Keegan have this kind of success and then Keegan in turn have a great rookie year, we're very, very excited for not only what he's done, but what he, um, what he can do moving forward with this organization. The next question comes from Sack J and he said, he asked, who do I connect with for Keegan to work with for a promo appearance or memorabilia signing? Well, I'm the first person I'm, I'm first and foremost. So if you have an opportunity for Keegan, you can contact me directly. Um, shoot me a message either on my Instagram page, my LinkedIn page, Uh, my Facebook page or my Twitter account. So uh, you can contact me anyway, but where you sent the question would be a great place to um, contact me and let me know kind of what you're thinking. If there's anything that we have to do above me, we'll probably talk to his agent and kind of figure those things out. And obviously with the Kings organization, make sure that it falls in line with what they do with their players. But go ahead and give me uh, a direct contact and, and we'll see what we can do. All right, the next question comes from Tato. 2016. And his question is, will I continue to coach the Prairie girls basketball team after McKenna graduates? Now that's a good question. Obviously the opportunity to coach McKenna, uh, is a great opportunity. I was able to coach Demetrius and Chris and Keegan all in high school. 
and this is a unique opportunity to be able to coach your daughter as well. We haven't made that decision yet. I knew going into it that it'd be a two-year commitment, um, at least two years. Um, so we'll kind of see where things go this year. I think we have a great team coming in. I think a team that is poised to take another jump, a team that has the talent to be able to make it to state. So we'll see what we can do this year as a roster. We've got some great girls coming back. We've got some fantastic freshmen coming into the program, and I think we'll be able to have a great year this year. All right. This next question comes from Andy Voss. And the question is, who was louder back then, Chris or Keegan? Well, let's just say this. Um, they rile each other up. So when they were together, you could kind of pick and choose whoever it was. But Chris has always been a little bit more vocal than Keegan, um, depending on where they're at and what they're doing. Uh, Keegan has really always been a kid that's kind of quiet about his work, whether he's playing baseball, basketball, we're playing flag football, whatever it is. As kids, he was always kind of quiet and kind of did his thing. Chris was always the more vocal one um, and continues to be. Um, but when they're together, it's kind of funny because they really play off each other. And so, uh, it's just one of those things, depending on the situation where we're at and who they're around, uh, both of them can be pretty funny. And usually it's Chris, who's, uh, more of the dry humor taking jabs at Keegan. So, uh, but as kids, they were fun and obviously they've been best friends, uh, since day one. Next question comes from Xander Scheider. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Question is. What's the hardest part of being in the NBA? And in talking to Keegan, I think it's the routine. One of the things that he, we were talking about a couple weeks ago as he was talking to a potential NBA draft pick, just giving them kind of some ins and outs of, of what the NBA is, he said the hardest thing to do is, is create a routine where you know um, kind of what you're going to do every day, whether it's a game day routine or on the road routine. Keegan really struggled in November on their first road trip, just trying to figure out, you know, just the rhythm of the day and when he's going to take a nap and what he's going to do. And so he, he felt like being able to create a routine, which he does to a T, whether it's on the road or at home, that was probably the hardest part. Because if you think about it, when you're on the road, you're leaving arenas late, you're flying out, you're getting into a new city at two or three in the morning. You got to turn around, have shoot around, get your rest and, and have a game. And so it's the rhythm of the NBA schedule. That's one of the hardest things to kind of get your head around. And then if you think about that, you're playing more games coming from college to the pros. And so what you eat, how much you sleep, just those kind of things really impact whether or not you're able to perform or not. So that for Keegan was probably the toughest thing is just building a routine that he's been able to stick with that has allowed him to perform at the level that he's performing. All right. This one comes from Nietzsche money and, and, and Nietzsche is a player that I was able to recruit to Indian Hills and actually got to coach there. So happy to read this question. He says, how did you feel watching Keegan knock down all those threes? Um, in the playoff series versus Golden State, because he'd been struggling the first three games. I think he only had a combined 10 points and had only hit one three. And so I was excited because sometimes it's just going back and doing the basic things. And the one thing Keegan has always been really good at is going back and watching film, looking at what he could have done differently. And that's really what he did. He admitted that Golden State didn't play him any differently, but he was able to 
take the first three games and kind of figure out, okay, this is the opportunity that I may have this game if they continue to play me that way. And it was just a matter of time. I mean, you don't make 206 threes in a season and then forget how to shoot in the playoffs. It's just a matter of kind of figuring out. And even De'Aaron Fox said it took him about a half to really figure out how Golden State was going to play him. And so for Keegan as a rookie, it took three games. But I think now that he's found a rhythm and he was aggressive, that will enable not only him to have a, a, a good game in game five, but it should open up some opportunities for his teammates as well, because now Golden State has got to focus on him because of the way that he came out in game four and was able to knock down some shots. Next question is from Lewis Dak. Oh, man, Lewis the Swag 63. <laughs> Interesting handle. Uh, his question is, how does it feel for you as a father to be able to see your sons get to the next level? That's a great question. I think for me, having the success that I did as a high school and college player and then not being able to make it to the NBA level. Yeah, I played professional basketball overseas. It definitely wasn't the level that that Chris and Keegan will 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 play at. But I think it's a it's a prideful thing because I'm proud of the fact that I was able to take my experiences the things that I was good at and also learn about the things that I wasn't good at and kind of instill that knowledge on the boys. And they've always been sponges when it comes to getting better. They love the process of being in the gym, working on their weaknesses and, and getting better. Obviously getting to the NBA level there, it, there's playing in the NBA. You are the 1% of the 1%, meaning that there's only 400 spots in the NBA when you look at the rosters and things like that. If you look at the entire history of the NBA, there's only been a little over 4,500 players over 75 years that have even played in the NBA. So to be able to have one son in the NBA and another son on the cusp of it, we know how blessed we are. But it comes down to taking advantage of the, the coaching that was available to him, understanding that you always have to work to get better, and then falling in love with the process because – being in the weight room, being in the gym, working on your skills, you're going to spend so much more time doing that as opposed to playing the game. So as a dad, it's just great to see that they are thriving and they're, and they're living their dream when it comes to playing basketball. But I'm most proud of just how much they've been focused and the work that they've put into it because I know how hard it is. Um, they only had one division one offer coming out of high school. And they use that as motivation. So very, very proud of them as a dad. I know their mom is. I mean, the, the, the sacrifices that she's made as well for them to be in the position that they are is, has been great. And as a family, we've made those kind of sacrifices. So uh, we are all very proud of what, what Chris and Keegan are doing. All right. So next question comes from a friend. And so he has a few of them. So we're going to kind of rattle these off one by one. Um. First question, who is the best player you have ever played against? Since I didn't play in the NBA, I would have to take it from college. And probably the toughest player, there's a 1A and 1B. I would say 1A would be Grant Hill um, as a 6'8 point forward for Duke. He was a really, really tough guard. Obviously, he had size over me and the ability to post up. He played the point, so he brought the ball up. So being able to contain him off the dribble was was really tough. But then he was such a smart player. Um, his ability to pass kind of made it difficult to stop him as well. And then 1B would probably be Calvert Chaney. Different, Calvert Chaney, 6'7", 6'8", as well. Very, very good scorer at Indiana. Left-handed, so it made it tough. But the one thing that 
also made it tough to guard Calvert was he was such a good player off of movement. They would run stagger screens for him. He was very good at that. Um, he had a great one-two dribble pull-up game. And so being able to guard him off of mo- multiple screens and stay in front of him and then be able to challenge his shot was really difficult because of his length. And obviously left-handed players are a little bit tougher to guard, but uh, those are probably the two toughest players I've ever had to guard. Next question is, how would you define mental toughness? Um, for me, the definition of mental toughness is one that probably has changed over the years. You know, growing up as a player, I would say mental toughness would be able to, you know, play through, you know, a nagging injury or play through exhaustion or things like that. But I think mental toughness to me, when it comes to basketball is being able to make adjustments within games, because as a player, the coach, the, the opposing coach is always going to do things to try and take you out of your game. So how do you adjust that way? That's one level. When your team is down or maybe your team's not playing well, what are you doing to be able to lift up everybody? What are you able to do to get everybody on the same page so that you, you know, can make a run or to stem the tide of a team making a run at you? Um, as a coach, I believe mental toughness is one, being able to alter your game plan within a game. Uh, be open to what your coaches and even your players uh, when they have suggestions about things that may help you during that game. So I think mental toughness um, is more about the adjustments that you can make within a game, but that also comes from being prepared. Uh, you're prepared to make those adjustments in the game because you've watched film, because you studied your opponent, because you've worked on the things that you know going into that game are going to help you guys have success. And so Uh, For me, as a player coach, those are some of the things that I think go into uh, being mentally tough uh, within competition. Another question, the next question is, what's the number one thing you would tell parents coaching their own kids? And don't do it is not an answer. (laughs) That's that's pretty funny. So I would say the most important thing um, that parents need to keep in mind when coaching your own kids is to make sure there's a separation between coach and parent. Chris at 17, 18 years old, really helped me understand that that dynamic of parent coach is one that can go one way or another. And we made actually more Chris told me that, hey, when we're in the gym, like I can be coached. But then once we leave the gym, it's all about being dad. And I think having that balance and that separation is one of the things that will allow you to be the best in whatever situation you're in. If you're on the floor, if you're on the, on the floor, on the diamond, on the football field, if you and your child understand that I'm coach and your player in that situation, then they're going to, not only are you going to gain the respect of your, your son or daughter, but also gain the respect of the other players and the other parents or the other coaches that are on staff with you. I think that's super important. And then understanding like once you leave the field of play, now you're dad again. And one of the things we did is we would talk about sports um, or, you know, whatever it was at home, but I allowed them to bring that up. Um, I never forced them to watch film. I never forced them into the gym. Um, it was a situation where I knew for us to maintain the relationship that we needed, that there had to be separation there. So that would be the biggest advice that I would have for, for any parent coaches out there. Next question <laughs> this is a good one. You're picking one shooter for a three-pointer to save all of humanity. 
who would you choose? And it says no one with the last name Murray is eligible. <laughs> so my choices are Steph Curry, Caitlin Clark, Larry Bird, Rick Mount. Who? that's a tough one. Um, I would probably have to go with, in this instance, I know Steph Curry is labeled the greatest shooter of all time. I know Caitlin Clark has amazed. I mean, she's a face of, of women's college basketball right now. Rick Mount is old school, but I would have to say Larry Bird. And the reason why I say Larry Bird is because the one three-point contest, uh, I can't remember what year it was, but he walked into the locker room and basically said, which one of you is finishing second? And on the three-pointer that he needed to win the competition, he shot it, put his finger in the air, and turned around. And, and that, to me, is the sign of, of greatness. And he knew going into that that he was going to win it. So I would probably pick Larry Bird in his prime to make that shot to save humanity. Next question comes from Kelly Emerson. And her question is, how would you feel about Chris getting drafted by Sacramento? Would you prefer that not happen so he can continue to make his own name for himself? Absolutely. I mean, obviously, as parents, it'd be great if he got drafted by Sacramento. Uh, shoot, anything anything on the West Coast would be awesome uh, because of the time difference. But, you know, I think him having the opportunity to be drafted and play in the NBA is probably the thing that, I guess, makes us happy. I don't know. I mean, that that makes us happy because he is on the verge of living his dream as well. I think people saw the differences in Chris and Keegan uh, with them playing apart from each other. I think they both have so much room to grow. And I think they both admittedly would love to play with each other eventually in the NBA, but maybe not this first, first go round, you know, uh, first few years in the league, really establishing yourself um, as an individual player on different teams, I think is something that they, really are looking forward to, but uh, hopefully eventually uh, if their agent can work some magic some way, shape or form, uh, they'll eventually play with each other in NBA. And, and obviously that would uh, be phenomenal for our family. Next question is from Anthony Adams. And this is a little bit long, but I'm going to read the entire question. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going to read the entire question. because I think giving it context, make context makes sense. He says, Hey, Kenyon, Battle Creek Central alumni here. I was a few years younger than you being from Battle Creek. I'm sure you went through your times dealing with a tough city. Coming from there has kept me hungry, but now I have two young boys and have put them into a safer environment. I'm glad that they have educational opportunities that I never did, but they also don't seem to have the hunger. How did you balance that with your children? They seem to have all the drive in the world along with the opportunity to showcase it. I think we all want the same for our children children, but I constantly struggle with that balance. So I've had this conversation with other parents of athletes and the hunger, I think it came from within, but what we did as parents is we didn't put them in a sport that we felt like, like push them into it. Like obviously it would have been easy for me to push them to basketball all the time, but there was a balance and we allowed their love to kind of dictate which way we went. So Chris and Keegan both played baseball, flag football, basketball. And then once they got into high school, they golfed. But at seventh grade, they were probably better baseball players than they were basketball players. I mean, both being left-handed, they could pitch, they could hit, they could run, they could field. They were really, really good there. But it was, I think, 
my love of basketball shone through. And it was one of those decisions that they made uh, going into eighth grade that basketball was going to be their thing. And when they made that decision, we said, okay, where do you want to take this? And obviously it was to play college basketball and, and hopefully have an opportunity to play professionally. So once they made that commitment and everything shifted to, to basketball, then their understanding with me was like, okay, we're going to go and work on these things for you to reach that goal. And so I allowed their love of basketball and their desire of basketball to grow organically within them and obviously having each other, it pushed them. And so that's what I would say is just uh, expose them to as much as you can and allow them to find their own path. And it may not be the path that you as a parent think that they should go. Um, Michelle really thought that baseball would be the way that the boys would go because they were so good, because they were left-handed. There were so many opportunities uh, for them to continue to play travel baseball and things like that. And so I think we just have to make sure that the love of whatever they do grows organically and we allow them to do it at their own pace. Their timeline sometimes is not our timeline. And so you have to be patient with that, but you also have to be ready to encourage and support in whatever avenue they go. So the next question comes from a good friend, Jordan Montgomery. And once again, I'll read it for context. Uh, he says, it would be fascinating to talk about McKenna and Demetrius. What has it been like raising four children, all of whom have been successful in their own right? Well, Demetrius came to us about 11 years ago. We adopted him. And at the time, he was an unbelievable football player. And uh, he was excellent in track. I think four-time Drake Relay champion, unbelievable wide receiver, um, kind of finding his way. He was able to star at Coe College. And then McKenna has kind of done a little bit of everything. She's been a softball player, volleyball player, basketball player. Um, but the reality is when you have four kids, they all are different. You love them the same, but you have to understand that you have to support them in whatever area they are. And Demetrius and McKenna, obviously a lot of the attention has been on Chris and Keegan because of where they played and where they're going to be playing or, and the best thing is making sure that as parents, we celebrate them in whatever they're doing, whether it's on the track, on the volleyball floor, Demetrius now as a, as a coach and, and father and, um, and husband or McKenna as a, you know, as a volleyball player, the, the important thing is that we celebrate what they do. Um, their path is all different. We love them unconditionally, but the important part is just making sure that we celebrate what they do as individuals and that their brothers and sisters celebrate them as individuals as well, because the last thing we want to do is compare our kids to each other. And so, um, it's a, it's a fine line. And, and sometimes as parents, we don't do a great job of it, but we, we definitely um, try to do that as parents to celebrate what our, our kids accomplishments are. Uh, and Jordan then asks, talk to us about coach Michelle Murray <laughs> and the many ways that she has helped the kids shine. I think the most important thing that Michelle brings is balance to me, obviously, but it's a love. It's an unconditional love, regardless of what they're doing. And she's their biggest supporter. She is the rock of the family. I think when she made a decision to move to Florida, 
with Chris and Keegan when they were in prep school was probably the, um, I think the most important thing that she could have done as a mother at that time, because that was something that Chris and Keegan weren't really excited about, but having their mother there allowed them to really just focus in on what they needed to do. They were able to, you know, get to the gym, put on 20 pounds with the weight room and what Michelle was feeding them day in and day out. And it just allowed them to concentrate on basketball. You know, when you move away and you move away from your family, you lose a lot of the, I think the comfort, you know, you're going to a place you've never been. You're, you're playing with people that you, you barely know, or you're just meeting. And I think Michelle's dedication to helping the boys realize their dream of going to prep school and then playing at division one um, was one of the most selfless things that she could have done, not only for the boys, but for our family. And um, she is, uh, she's a quarterback. I mean, she's the one that's giving me signals and where I need to go. So, so her impact on our family as a foundation is uh, undeniable. And um, you know, we all love her so much for, for the things that she has done for this family to be in a position that we are right now. One more question from Jerry Vasquez of Estella's. He asked simply, LeBron or MJ? Now, this is going to be, I'm, I'm going to get roasted either way, especially from my family, because I've got a couple guys that are LeBron fans, a couple guys that are MJ fans in our family. And so because of the time I grew up watching the bad boy Pistons battle the Celtics and the Bulls. I'm going to say MJ. MJ is the greatest clutch player that there has ever been. He is, he has done things that uh, from an award standpoint that'll never be touched. I mean, being the MVP defensive player of the year, all NBA, NBA finals MVP, like those kind of things will never be matched again. So MJ or LeBron, I'm picking MJ. But in defense of LeBron, I think LeBron is probably the best all-around player that there's ever been from the standpoint of scoring the basketball, passing the basketball, rebounding, being able to uplift his teammates. I think that he is is by far the most all-around, the best all-around basketball player that we've ever seen. So now we have some rapid-fire questions sent in from Vaughn in Atwater, California. And they're all about your family. So in your family, who is the best dancer? Hands down, it's McKenna. McKenna is the best dancer in our family <laughs> right now. I don't think Chris and Keegan would ever dance, but I would have to say McKenna probably is at the top of the list as best dancer in the Murray household. So in your family, who has the best attitude at 5 a.m.? The best attitude at 5 a.m., it's definitely me. <laughs> there's, there's no doubt. I have uh, a lot more energy. I'm always being told that they can't match my energy that early in the morning. So 5 a.m., uh, that's me, attitude for sure. All right. And who is the better shooter? Oh, man, that's a tough one. And I am going to say, and they're, they're, they're going to kill me for this. <laughs> they're they're going to both kill me for this. Best shooter in the family goes to Uncle Mitch Westfall because that's about all he could do. He couldn't guard anything. Uh, defense was optional for him, but the one thing he could do was if he got an open look, he can knock down a three. So I'll give best shooter in the family to Uncle Mitch Westfall. Who is the funniest? The funniest in the family. Um, I would 
like to say I'm the funniest, but I would probably say Chris is the funniest in the family because his humor is so dry and it comes at times when you're not expecting it. Um, but yeah, I, I would definitely say Chris probably is the funniest in the family. Who is the best cook? The best cook hands down is me. Uh, I grew up cooking with my grandmother and my mom in the kitchen. So I will definitely take the mantle of best cook in the house. And who is the best dresser? The best dresser. Hmm. That too, that would probably have to go to McKenna. She's got a style and a flair about her. That's pretty good. I would put myself as a close second to her. Chris and Keegan could care less <laughs> about fashion. Uh, but I would say, yeah, McKenna's probably the, the best dressed in the house. All right. And then better defender. Oh, that's me by far. They're the best defender in the family. Yeah, that, 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 that hands down is me. And I, I joke with Chris and Keegan that they wouldn't, they wouldn't get their averages when I, I played against them. And they both think that, but hands down, hands down, best defender. And better dunker. Better dunker. So if we go like, if we go in our prime, I would say I, I, I'm the, I'm the better dunker. Mitch couldn't dunk. Demetrius could barely dunk. Chris and Keegan dunk, but they didn't really have any flair to it. I would say in my prime, you go back to like freshman, sophomore year in college. I'm the best dunker in the family. All right. And then in your family, who is the winner right now? One on one. Right now. Oh, man, I would. Got to go with the guy in the NBA right now. So I'll give best one-on-one right now a win would be Keegan. Keegan be the the one-on-one winner. I want to thank the fans for all the questions that came in today. Great questions. It was a lot of fun. But remember, go to our YouTube page to talk about network. Subscribe, give us a like, and hit that notification button so you know when a new episode drops. You can also find us on the iHeartRadio platform, Spreaker iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to say thank you again. This has been an unbelievable podcast. I'm your host, Kenya Murray. Until next time. This podcast is sponsored by Storyline Multimedia. Storyline is an Iowa City-based media company that specializes in creating high-quality video, photo, and audio productions for local businesses. Not only that, but they also produce a number of podcasts, including this one. So if you're interested in sharing the story of your business with the world, Contact them today by visiting storylinemultimedia.com. And remember, your story matters.